Alrighty, all this week I am doing a week in the life of a food vendor and using our food truck as an example. We are up to Friday. So just to catch you up, we talked about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, our off days and what we do on those off days. Thursday is the first day of the week that we open, and I explained a little bit about how I get set up for breakfast and some of the things that we do. And today we're going to talk again about what the day looks like, and then I'll concentrate more on what we do at lunchtime. Welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach, author of five food truck vending books, including Food Truck 101 and Food Truck 201. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. Table Needs welcomes you to listen in as Christian and Tracy, co-owners of Restless Coffee, spill the beans on their debut year in the food truck scene, uncover the secrets behind their secret menu, how they continually provide stellar customer service, and why building a strong community following is so important. Click the link in the episode description to watch the video for free. On Fridays, just like on Thursday, I'm getting up at 5.30. I'm checking the Facebook group while I'm trying to wake myself up. Then I get up, take a shower, and I head over to the food truck. After I get done with my shower, I wake Melissa up. And then she is going to to rouse herself up. And she comes over to the food truck roughly at uh, 6.30, 6.45. When I get to the food truck, again, I turn on equipment. I set up the sinks. And I'm getting ready to start cooking foods for breakfast. We have a holding unit so I can hold a little bit of food. and we actually have a big enough serving capacity or holding capacity that we could hold more food that we can cook. So we got to be very mindful of not over prepping, cooking too much bacon, too much sausage, too many biscuits. So once I get everything set up for breakfast, get all the food cooked, reheat whatever needs to be reheated, and I'm recording temperatures. Remember I told you that we go and check out the food truck every single day that's closed to make sure that the refrigerator and freezer are working the way they're supposed to work. And we have thermometers that show the high and the low. And we reset the high and the low every day that we go over there. We still do the same things on the days we're open. What's the high and the low from the time that we left from the day before to the present time? And I record all of those on a piece of paper. I also record our cookout temperatures for every single product. So every time that I cook a tray of sausage, I'm picking one in the middle to make sure that it's at least 165 degrees. And then I record whatever the real temperature is. I do the same thing for biscuits. Do the same thing for gravy. When we cook a steak biscuit through the oven, we're going to do the same thing as far as the steak goes. We're recording the temperatures to prove that we've done our due diligence in handling the food. We've kept it cold like it's supposed to be. We've cooked it to the right temperature. So we've done everything we can to make sure the food is safe going to our guests. And then we record that so that we can prove that we've done what we're supposed to be doing. So yesterday I spent a whole bunch of time talking about breakfast. So today I'm going to talk what we do at lunch. We transition lunch at 10.30. Now, for us, a transition is easy, and I mean very easy. We just stop selling breakfast. So we do have that time frame where there's one lady that comes sometimes at 10.15, sometimes at 11.15, and she does a mix of breakfast and lunch. Doesn't bother us a bit. We heat up the equipment that needs to be heated up, and we cook whatever she wants. We don't mind her order because... On any given week, she's spending about $100 with us. So we don't mind that she's mixing breakfast and lunch, and we don't mind that she's coming and ordering breakfast after lunch. And if somebody does that, we just tell them, hey, we got to heat up that piece of equipment. We'll be happy to cook it for you, but it's going to take a little bit longer than normal. We don't say no to people. 
you know, talk to you guys about the yes policy. We always figure out a way to say yes. Now, it comes down to two things, and we put this back onto the guest that's making that request. Hey, if you want something special, I'd be happy to do it for you, but it's going to cost you this amount of money. So it puts it back on them to tell me no. Oh, no, that's too much. See, I haven't told them no. I've told them I'll do it, but it's going to cost you. Or it's going to cost some time. I'll be happy to cook that biscuit for you, but the oven's been turned off for a while. i got to heat it up, and it's going to take another seven minutes to cook it. Do you mind waiting 15 minutes for that? And if they say no, I don't mind at all. I'll cook it. Doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. Now, the thing about our food truck is I made sure that we balanced power. So if I have to turn on something, something else has to be turned off. There's only one place that that happens in our food truck, and that is the little cook area where Melissa is. She has a microwave. She has a toaster. She has a panini press, and she has an electric eye. The panini press is primarily lunchtime. Very rarely is it turned on at breakfast unless somebody requests something. But if the second that panini press gets turned on, she cannot use that electric eye. So we have to think about how we're going to do the orders. Remember, the electric eye is only used for scrambled eggs. We still can do sandwiches because the microwave can run because it's on a different circuit. The toaster can run as long as the microwave's not running. So she has to juggle that little tiny bit of power there. I'm going to fix that problem so that she doesn't have to juggle it as much. But there's always going to be something you got to juggle. And that's why I put it back on the guest. Hey, I've got to turn this piece of equipment on. It's going to take it this long to heat up. Do you mind waiting? And then they can tell me, hey, yeah, I don't mind. Or, sorry, let's go some other direction on the food. That's okay. I'm not telling them no. So for lunchtime, we start again at 1030. That's the official start time. But again, we'll let people order whatever, whenever, because we want to make money. Our lunch menu consists of two tacos. We have a Mexican taco. Melissa makes the Mexican meat and she weighs it out. We again are relatively low volume. So she cooks it and then she cools it right back off and then pre-weighs it into baggies so that when it gets ordered, we're just popping it in the microwave and creating that particular taco. We put three ounces of meat on it, so it is a very healthy taco. It's on a six-inch tortilla. It's going to have lettuce and cheese and tomatoes, and then a little crema that she makes with sour cream and salsa. It's a very tasty taco, and we sell two of those for $8.99, or you can buy one for $4.99. We do a second taco that we call a little Havana. We take the braised pulled pork that we do. Now, braising sounds like a real fancy chef term. All braising is is cooking meat in a liquid, and it's typically a slow cook. But you can pressure cook it. Still creates this exact same texture, the exact same flavor, but it's cooked in the Instapots I mentioned that we have. She also cooks the taco meat in the Instapots, but without pressure. She just uses them to heat up the, the meat, cook the meat. So that's our two tacos. The Little Havana is, again, just the taco meat, or I'm sorry, the mojo pulled pork meat. So it's got a little bit of Latin flair and flavor to it. But it's got lettuce and tomatoes and then cheese on it. And then a mustard sauce that she makes that's really, really good. We have people that ask us just for that mustard sauce and they'll get it on the side to dip their taco in. So we sell a pretty good amount of both of those. We sell hot dogs and that's just a throwback to me being an original hot dog vendor back in the the early 80s. We sell members Mark hot dogs which have the exact same flavor profile as a Nathan's hot dog. It just has a hair more sodium in it. So when you balance that extra sodium with either the ketchup or the mustard, you put onions on it, And if you also have coleslaw, it balances out that extra sodium. Tastes really, really good. Sodium is what gets your mouth salivating. And people go, oh, this tastes so good. Because the mouth is telling them, hey, there's salt in here. And we've got to salivate a little bit more so you can swallow it. People equate that to this tastes really good. 
So we do hot dogs. We do two varieties. We do the classic, which is just the ketchup, mustard, and onion. Then we do the slaw dog. Well, we also can add mustard and onions if they prefer on top of the coleslaw. We have sub sandwiches. We have a total of three. We have ham, because ham goes on the Italian, and that's a very popular one, way more popular than I thought it would be. We do an Italian sub, typical Italian sub with ham, salami, pepperoni. And then we do the Cubanish, is what we call it, because we do have the ability to press it, but it's not quite a true Cuban. We do put Swiss cheese on it, we put pulled pork, we put ham on it, we put pickles, and then that mustard sauce I was telling you about a minute ago. From there, the menu goes into toasted sandwiches. The original thought was we would do grilled cheese and do that on the panini press, but it became too cumbersome because of the different types of cheeses. So we just do toasted sandwiches. We sell a club, one of our frequent guests that comes every single day that we're open. Part of her habit is to buy at least one club a week. So we do a ham and turkey and bacon club for her. And we call it a club-ish because we don't stack three layers of bread on there because we use Texas toast. So it's a thick bread already. So we just basically make a sandwich with two pieces of bread and then the turkey and the ham and the bacon, mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato. We do a BLT where I got bacon because we serve breakfast, mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato stuff we've already got. We can do a turkey sandwich. We can do a ham sandwich. We do all of those on toast. And we also do kids meals. And this is something that freaks people out. Why would I do a kids meal? Because kids often drive the dining decision. Now, I'm in an RV park. We have families that come in every single weekend. And the kids drive those dining decisions because, number one, they can stay in the park and don't have to go anywhere. We sell hot dogs, which kids love. We sell grilled cheese sandwiches. It's one of our kids meals. We sell tacos. All of those things drive the kids up here. Plus, we do lemonades. And we do lemonades with cute names. We've got little different colors that go into it. We do one that's, that is basically a shark attack. So it's a blue lemonade. It's got cotton candy flavoring in it that's blue. It's got the lemonade. And then we put a little bit of strawberry flavoring in it so it looks like blood trickling through it. Kids love it. We have another one that we call Ocean Wave. And it's a vivid blue. We use blue raspberry and coconut. It's a popular seller. Kids love those things, and they drive the parents to the food truck. So having a kid's meal is not a bad idea. And we don't mind if a parent or an adult wants to order a kid's meal because it's profitable to us. I don't care who eats the thing. I don't care if you're 12 or 120. If you want it, we're going to sell it. We don't say no. The idea is to get the money out of their billfold into my cash drawer. Can't do that if I'm saying, no, you're too old for a kid's meal. Well, they'll just say, I'm too old to give you money then and go somewhere else. You don't want to say no. On the menu for sides, we can do, and I didn't talk about these at breakfast, but we do have tater tots. We run those through the pizza oven. We got that down. They do really, really well. So we can do tater tots. We can we make a coleslaw. It's a very creamy, sweet, southern-style coleslaw. So a pretty good amount of that, especially on the slaw dogs. We have potato chips, the basics, barbecue. They're Lay's brand, so we have barbecue. We have regular. We have Fritos. And then we also do goldfish to go into the kids' meals. But surprisingly, a lot of adults like goldfish as well. So there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind trading those out when they want a bag of goldfish. We include the potato chips with the sub to make it kind of a, a more full meal. I sell the subs for 9 dollars 
and all of them have a under 30% food cost, even including the bag of chips. And partly that's because I slice my own meat. Somebody put up on our Facebook group the other day a picture of a sub, and it looked really nice, except I looked at the meat. They were not slicing their own meat, and if they were slicing their own meat, they're abusing the meat itself. What you got to understand about meat, and when you slice it, the tendency is... I want it thick, you know, because thick means hearty. Thick means I'm going to get good flavor. Where you get the flavor is from the surface of the meat itself, not the interior. So the more surface layers that you have, the more flavorful the meat tastes because there's more interaction for your taste buds. So thinly sliced ham tastes better than the exact same amount of ham cut as one slice because you're getting more interaction of the meat and the fat and all the different seasonings and flavorings they put into it. So when I slice the pepperoni, I'm looking for getting four slices per ounce. Same with the salami. I'm wanting to get four slices per ounce, quarter ounce weights. The ham is the thinnest full face cut I can get with that slicer. So it's near paper thin. But when you go to pile it on there and put four ounces on it, Melissa and I both go, man, that's a lot of ham. Because remember, there's airspace in between all those slices, and it's kind of folded and layered in there. It looks like there's a ton of ham on it. And that's the comments that we get. Man, that's that's a big sandwich. You put it on the Texas toast, and it literally is falling off because there's so much. But it's only four ounces. It's a quarter pounder. But it looks way bigger than a quarter pounder does. Because of the layers. you got to understand how your food works. So layer very thinly sliced pieces of meat and you can put a bunch on there. It looks like a bunch and you're not spending a whole bunch of money. Slice your own meats. Don't be lazy and go to the deli and, and get them to sell you something that's 8 or 10 or $12 a pound. When you can buy it for $5 a pound and slice it yourself. Meat slicers are nothing to be afraid of. I have worked with meat slicers since I was a teenager in 1977. And all of the time I've worked with meat slicers, which includes 13 years at Rack's Restaurants. It includes Hardee's had meat slicers back in the day. So three years at Hardee's. And then Quiznos and Solotsky's all had slicers. So I've worked with slicers many, many years. I've been the one to slice the meats. I've been the one to clean the slicers. And I've only been cut three times. And all three times it was because I allowed myself to talk to somebody else while I was cleaning the slicer. The blade literally is a razor if you maintain the slicer. You should be able to cut paper and there not be one little tear in it. You should be able to shave with it. So all of the three cuts that I've had were because I was not paying attention. The first one I did had seven stitches. The second one I did had two stitches. And the third one I did was I actually took the tip of my finger off. There were no stitches. There was nothing to sew. And that one hurt because I took the tip off. And Melissa still gets on to me today about that one. But you know what I did? I didn't freak out. I wrapped it with a paper towel and kept right on working. Came home with a big paper towel wrapped around my finger. And Melissa goes, what'd you do? Accidents happen, but you can't be afraid of the equipment. So don't be afraid to slice your own meat and get you a relatively inexpensive slicer to start with. Prove to yourself you know how to use it, and then it's going to make you money, and then upgrade yourself to a Hobart or a Globe or a Burkle or one of the more expensive slicers with a bigger blade. The smaller slicer that I use, I have to be careful how big a piece of meat I put on it because it won't hold it properly. Again, don't be afraid of slicing. So that's our lunch time. That's what we do at lunch. It's what we sell. We handle lunch. Our typical day at lunch is going to be another $100, $150. Again, we are low volume and we did that intentionally. As we bring on the pizza and get that oven dialed in, we will be significantly busier and that's okay. 
but we'll be able to handle it because I know what the cooking capacity is of that oven and we know how to pace orders. Again, Melissa worked at a pizza restaurant for a number of years and was quite good at it. So it's just a matter of us getting the pizza oven dialed in so we're not burning everything like I was telling you about a couple days ago. So tomorrow we're going to be up to Saturday. I'll tell you what our Saturdays are like and how they're different than both Thursday and Friday. One other thing that we do on Fridays is we look through our full inventory just to make sure that we don't have to go to Cisco because we can go to Cisco on Friday. I can place the order in the morning and they'll have it ready for us to pick up at the will call. Again, we're about 45 minutes or so from the Cisco. So if Melissa leaves right at one, she can pick it up at two and be back by three and we can store the food as we need. So we're looking at our inventory. Can we get through the rest of the weekend with what we've got? This particular week, we were able to easily. It was going to be close, but we both felt like if we run out, it's going to be late on Sunday. So we're not going to go to Sam's. We're not going to go to Cisco. Because, of course, going to Sam's, we could go on Saturday if we wanted to. So that one has a little bit of an outlet. But there are certain things that we have to get from Cisco, like our biscuits can't get those anywhere else. The sticks of salami, pepperoni, ham, and roast beef can't get those anywhere else. So if I was to run close, I got to make that decision and get up there on Friday. So I'm having to think ahead. What am I going to do Saturday? What am I going to do Sunday? And do I have enough food to handle those? So again, tomorrow we'll be back and talk about Saturday. Thank you so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your food truck business, please become a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels, from brand new beginners to decades old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.